back to another episode of Stream of Thought. My goodness. And we are on a tear with these throwback episodes. Don't yeah. you think? I've been finding them very entertaining. Yes. They've been throwback. Like, just thinking about all the interviews that we had and, and the experiences and all that. And we've got another really great one lined up for you right now. Uh, with Jasmine Akia, yeah. Jasmine Akia, who is a... Uh, singer. A, a phenomenal singer. Now, like, she she has a, a very good uh, awareness of the culture. Yes. And uh, how to navigate the difficulty of like entering into celebrity entering into the music world like what it means to have a the business with aspect the business aspect yeah it's and because a lot of times you got to be that that entrepreneurial yeah. type person yourself you got to be your own manager yes and she explains the difficulties of of doing that but also the joys and she does a little uh demo she sings a little bit oh, in the episode what a too, treat. which was great oh, my just goodness. made my heart I melt just, a little yep, yep yeah listening to that again what a great yeah movie. but again if you have no idea what's happening go back in between between episodes 94 and 95 for our special announcement as to what's been happening this summer. Um, so, with that being said, we hope you enjoy. Alright, we're back. We're doing another episode of Straight Up, and today our guest is Jasmine Akia. Jasmine is a singer-songwriter from Chicago. Check out her current single, Like a Drum. You can find it on mymusicpage.com as well as SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. And Jasmine, you were telling me earlier that you have actually worked with some Grammy Award winning uh, producers, which mm-hmm. is pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. So up and coming, be sure to check her out. Google her name. I'm sure you're going to find a plethora of information. Yes. Jasmine, what's going on? Um, hey. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm excited to be here with some really great guys right now. Um, just kind of, you know, creating a dialogue surrounding my music and the things that I'm interested in. I've been working on music for a long time. I won't say how many years it's been. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I'm a singer and a songwriter. Uh, I would call myself a producer, but I'm still working on that aspect of it. A musician, I've been training for quite a while. Um, And I'm just excited to be here and speak about my upcoming projects and the things that I'm interested in. Nice. Well, we're very happy to have you. Thank, Thank you. you. Make it in. Thank, Thank you, Jasmine. You. So to start off the conversation, tell us why you decided to pursue this career in singing. What made you want to become a singer? Um, I have, ever since I was a child, like when I was like two years old, my mom told me stories. This might be a myth. I'm not sure. But she would tell me how when I was in the bathtub, I would sing like Diana Ross songs, and I would just kind of belt these tunes that she'd really never kind of expose me to. So I was, you know, always interested in music. I think it was an innate interest that I had. Um, And I wrote my first song at the age of 11. It was like something about you know, some clouds and some bubble gum or something like that. But it was just like, I mean, it was just me kind of, uh, you know, uninhibited, not really thinking too much about the process, but just being kind of in the zone of writing and creating. Um, And from that point, it just just started to evolve into something different. Uh, When I was 15, I became involved with a girl group called Flirt in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, That was managed by a a radio DJ at the time from 97.1. Um, named Kavanjay, and I know that's, that's a funny name, but um, he was the first person that kind of introduced me to the world of music and how the processes go and studio time and everything. So I was introduced at a level of, all right, you all need to, you know, set aside time after school. We're going to meet with, you know, two other girls and we're going to start creating projects together and, and you're going to be one of the writers on the project, which at 15, it was like a, a huge kind of step for me because I didn't actually expect to come in as a writer but I did contribute some to our first projects as kids with this girl group that I was Called a part of. Flirt. Called Flirt. Mm-hmm. So did, did you grow up in Tennessee then? Where Are you originally from? No. What, what was the story behind the st- ending up in Tennessee? Right. So my mom was active duty military um, for 20, I want to say 25 years, 26 years. Really? Wow. For a long time. Yeah. And so I was born in D.C. Um, and then we moved out to uh, Italy where we were stationed for three years. And then we moved to Cuba where you stationed for one year, and then Mississippi for five years, at Guam for, I think, two years, and then California um, for about a year and a half. And then I ended up being stationed in Memphis. So she had a choice between London and Memphis. And my brother and I have a twin brother. We were just like, what the heck is in Memphis? We don't know what's <laughs> going on there. We don't want to move there. <laughs> Besides really gangster rap. Yeah, you know, we didn't really... The food. Yeah, the food is amazing. You know? I mean, don't get me wrong. When I lived in Memphis, there was a lot I did appreciate and take yeah. from it. But having been all over the world and being exposed to all these different cultures, 
and then going to Memphis, the South, you know, where, I mean, I was in Mississippi, but then Memphis was when I was like an actual teenager and I was, you know, kind of evolving and maturing as a, as a, as a young woman. I didn't really know what to expect from Memphis, but it did play a large part in my developing as an artist because I met so many musicians and artists in Memphis. Um, so I've lived all over the world, and Memphis was, I was brought there particularly because my mom was stationed there through the military. I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, because I saw I, I saw in your bio that uh, you you came from Tennessee, Memphis, yeah. Memphis and yeah. I'm like, you've got to be one of the few singers out there who actually leaves Tennessee and goes <laughs> somewhere else. No, I've Chicago been everywhere else. Music, so wow, <laughs> yeah. that is that is quite. So I imagine that world perspective though has given you a whole different oh, yeah. view on how on what music is supposed to be for for you. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I'm and I was talking to Neil earlier about this, and I do feel like. My ability to travel the world and see the world has definitely given me a, a more of a worldview in terms of who I relate to in terms of demographics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he asked me questions about it, and I just wanted to kind of not say that I pigeonhole myself in terms of just saying, well, I'm only going to relate to this, you know, racial group or only going to mm-hmm. relate to this, you know, type of ethnic background. Like, I've been, you know, when I was in Italy, they have an entirely different appreciation for music and for, especially for American music. And if you listen to them, they don't really care about whether or not you're listening to a black artist or a white artist. Mm. They just want to hear music. So one minute you hear Sade, the next minute you hear Madonna, and everyone kind of relates to it on the same level. So it's an appreciation for just good music, you know. And even being a child at five years old in Italy, the the main thing that we heard was Sade. So, of course, that helped shape me as an artist because Sade, you know, she has such a, a, a global presence, but she's someone who is, like, famously not famous. Like, you don't really hear much about Sade, but she's, you know she, that when she's she... She's famous, but she's under the radar. Yeah. When she comes out, she sells... I have sells... Honest, I, I've never heard of her. <laughs> I think... Oh, <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> she's she's an amazing smooth artist. Smooth operator is Sade, right? Sade, yeah. That's what I was going to say. Smooth operator. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thank you. You heard of her, but... I mean, I know you Coast to coast, L.A. to Chicago. I know that one. I love that one. Yeah. That's a good one. Awesome. And so that's what I was exposed to as a kid. Yeah. So, and you know, and then not only that, but like a lot of Italian music, you know, and then mm. my mom would kind of try to get us exposed to the Italian culture. And out there in Italy, you were family, and it's all about mm. food and music and life and just loving everything that you do. So um, it definitely helped shape the way that I see music because I don't come at it from a perspective of having to target a certain audience. I think that music is universal. And I think that no matter where you go, whether you go to Cuba or Africa or Italy or mm-hmm. the United States, everyone can relate to the feeling that they get when they hear a good song. It doesn't matter who you are or where you come from. Now, <laughs> this is very important. Uh-huh. The question I'm about to ask you. So mm-hmm. the three of us, we went to high school together. Uh-huh. And I know three things about Memphis. Okay. That's where Dr. King got shot. Mm-hmm. Graceland, uh-huh. Elvis's mansion, yes. and Three Six Mafia. I was about to say Three Six. <laughs> so we ran, we ran track together, and we would listen to Three Six Mafia uh-huh. while we trained. Yeah, yeah. Did Three Six Mafia have any influence on you, Jasmine, growing up? <laughs> You're really stretching those connections. I know, right? right? <laughs> but you know what? But you know what? I will have to tell you that my brother and I, because we we lived in Memphis, we had never really heard of Three Six Mafia at first when we first moved there. And then I remember we bought we had two hundred bucks a piece. And we each bought a four hundred dollar Grand Am together, and so we're listening to the the radio, and we're like, "Who is like, who is this person on the radio?" And it's like, we you know, realized that it was Three Six Mafia. Right. So we kind of got involved in that whole trap sound, like, "Oh man, like this is and this is raw," you know? It's I mean, so underrated they, because they dominated. You know, Three Six Mafia was huge in Memphis, but not just Memphis. But I mean, you know, when you started when you start hearing their music in movies, and then they they got nominated and everything, and then they, you know, won their awards, you started to realize, like, they have a bigger presence, too, because they're starting to spread. It's starting to become Absolutely. bigger than just Memphis. But, I mean, they did, because when I did a lot of studio recordings in Memphis, when I worked with my music group, Higher Level Music Group, there was a, there were a lot of rappers, and there were a lot, it was a lot of trap music out there. Yeah. So even for me, coming from all these different cultures where, 
you know, in Italy, we didn't listen to trap music, you know? In California, you're not typically going to listen to trap music. But in Memphis, you have to appreciate the culture because that's what dominates, is that trap sound. And so you do get into that world of like, all right, like I need to be a little grittier. Like I need to be able to embrace that, but still kind of hold on to like this kind of worldly, you know. Wholesome image. Yeah, I mean, you still have to keep yourself intact, but you have to also appreciate like, all right, what goes over here doesn't necessarily go over here in Memphis. So you need to kind of embrace both sides. And that's what kind of got me introduced to the the world of rap. No, no, it's not bad. I really, I loved it. Like, I really loved being able to work with all these different rappers and artists who, yeah. you know, they're gritty. Like, they're coming from a really raw state and they want mm. someone that comes on with just a, a, a voice that balances out that grit so that they can kind of have a little bit more crossover appeal. And that's what I feel like I was able to bring to the table with somebody that had more of like a kind of a pop cadence, um, R&B pop cadence mm, yeah. that can kind of like, uh, kind of diluted a little bit, you know. So I appreciate it because those are some of my best songs that came from from Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah. So yeah. hard out here for a pimp. <laughs> you should have been singing that chorus instead of Taraji P. Henderson. Oh, wait, right? look, let's like not Taraji. She's I mean she's doing her thing. I can't take that away from her. But can she sing actually? I'm not about to say that on record. Because one day I might be on Empire, and yeah. I don't want her to come okay. to me. Okay, okay. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, you, I mean, you specialize in that though. So I'm like, I'm just saying she yeah. did her thing, but but Taraji can't. Taraji, what she brings to the table is also that rawness, that realness. Like okay. we need, like in in that particular movie, they needed someone who could really be emotionally vulnerable. And I feel like Taraji, every single role that she takes on, she's like. I'm just going to be in it. I'm yeah. not even thinking yeah. about she anybody does, else. I'm just going to do my thing. So whether you sing or you dance or you act, at the end of the day, it's all creative expression. So you have to be able to um, step outside of the box, which is what a lot of artists and creators are always seeking or striving to do. And we see someone like Taraji, they probably took her on and said, she's going to be as raw as they come. So let's just bring her in. We don't care if she can rap or not or sing or not. We're just going to incorporate her because she brings that element that raw element that's needed, especially from for, to reflect a place like Memphis, because okay. there's a lot of raw energy there and okay. a lot of raw artists that are just bringing realness. Cool, cool. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Thanks. So fast forward, Jasmine. You you've known for more than half your life that you would like to be a singer, mm-hmm. and then you decide to go to college mm-hmm. to pursue a bachelor's degree to Mm -hmm. learn the business side of Mm. the music industry. So talk a little bit about your collegiate experience. Um, Yes, I studied international business. Uh, My mom being active duty military, of course, she wanted me to incorporate the business side of the music industry because it is called the music business for a reason. Um, And I studied international finance. I studied um, international marketing. I studied everything in regards to how to make this all make sense in terms of uh, from a financial standpoint. Because, I mean, I at, on my leisure time, I did take elective courses in classical music and opera, but I knew that I had to be versed in the business side because a lot of the stuff I was going to handle by myself in terms of documentation, in terms of the legal framework, signing, you know, paperwork, in terms of, like, did you get your copyrights done? You know, is this protected? And in the music industry, if you don't know about that, it's easy to get overwhelmed with sharks. I mean, because people are going to come to you and they're going to assume that you don't know anything. So with a business background, it definitely helped me kind of create a platform and a foundation where it's like a lot of people, you don't necessarily have to be even talented to make it in the business. You have to know the business to make it in the business. Okay. So when you have a platform where you like know... Like Iggy Azalea, for example. Once again, I'm not. I'm not gonna throw no, shade. No, no, I'll, I'll throw shade on your behalf. I think everyone's throwing shade at her because of the like. All you need, like, the <laughs> media is a pretty powerful tool. Like, obviously, you can't get somewhere without having some degree of talent, whether exactly. it's a one-time stint on YouTube or yeah. a super grassroots organic following. Right. And it's easy for people like you and I and everybody else who may not listen to her as a fan. We just know of her because she's you know, on TV and on the radio and just instantly dislike her because right. that's the momentum that's being generated on social I don't media. Dis- exactly. I, don't dis- I don't dislike her, gentlemen, Jasmine. I just think she's whack. I think she's whack. I think there are a lot of people out there that are a thousand times more talented than mm-hmm. me to get their shot before she should have. I think she's marketable because of reasons no one has to say because mm-hmm. we don't have enough time right, right now. But she's whack. Let's be honest. But- you don't, you, none of you guys have to say it. <laughs> I'll say it on our on our behalf. But it, no, no, continue. you say that on your behalf, dude. You, 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 you speak for yourself. I, no, I speak for straight up. 
I believe, no, you're not speaking for me. I believe she worked as a maid for like three years to save up money and bought a one-way ticket to America. Yeah, when she what was, do you think of that? When she she's a hard, she's a hard worker. She's whack. She's whack. Why? Arnold Schwarzenegger is a terrible actor, but he's successful and he's business savvy. Listen, right, all I'm we, saying... We've, we've digressed. <laughs> it, it's what I'm saying. It just goes, it just it goes back up, to your point to what you said, Jasmine, about you don't have to be talented to make it. You just have to know the business. And I'm not taking anything away from Iggy, but what I'm saying is, is that she does have a good marketing team. She does have great PR behind her. I mean, the thing is, is like you could be the most talented person in the world, but if you don't have the correct team then it is very hard to get exposure. I mean, because you're not even talking about it from a financial perspective, but also, like you said, social media, like the whole framework has changed. Whereas before, when you were on the radio, you could get a couple of spins, and that would kind of spread like wildfire, depending on where, you know, who was, who was actually promoting you in terms of getting you radio play. Nowadays, it's like, how many social media followers do you have? Who's following you on Instagram? Who's following you on Twitter? It's an entirely different framework. And we've seen this over the course of just our lifetime, which... I mean, you, you listen to people that are, you know, uh, wiser than us, and they'll say, oh, so much has changed. But even me, I'm, I'm sitting back and I'm thinking that the whole game has changed. So now you have to know how to market yourself. You know, you have to know. And that's the thing about the, the business background as we're going back to that. They taught us a lot about marketing and exposure. But the hard thing is getting people to do it and to back you for the right reasons. I mean, because there are a lot of people that are in the industry that are looking for, uh, looking to gain, and it may not always be for the right reasons. And so that's the hard thing to sift through is like, who's going to have your back at the end and who's going to have your best, best interest in, in mind. Do you enjoy the savviness it takes you to kind of navigate through the business aspect or is that are you just like I just want to sing yeah, it's gotta be, it's gotta be like a, a rare thing for somebody to, to have that sort of experience and I, background going in. I think if I didn't have the savvy I'd definitely be a lot further than I am now I mean let's be honest like if I didn't actually know Jasmine don't sign this paperwork because of the fact that it could come by come back and bite you in the butt mm-hmm. 10 years later then I would have probably signed a lot of documents and been quote unquote on but I might have been broke Right. <laughs> like, yeah. and that's what happens to a lot of major artists is that they sign paperwork and they sign to a lot of labels and they don't know the ins and outs of the industry and they don't know how to really read the contracts or how to seek representation. Mm. So I think sometimes maybe being careful has hindered me because there are certain times when looking back, I said, if I had signed that piece of paper, I mean, it was pretty much right there where I would have been, I would have been good. I would have been set, but I know I could have seen down the line where that probably would have screwed me over yeah. in the long run. So I think it does it. You kind of you take the long road, but and I do wish sometimes I could just sing and and that's what I'm doing now. Honestly, like I just want to sing and just get as much music out there as possible. And I think, like I told Neil before, that's why I want to get my own equipment to produce all of my own material mm-hmm. so that I can just crank out music as as often as I want to without dealing with all the paperwork and all the legality of it and right. who's going to get this percentage if we do. And I don't mind that, mm-hmm. but I feel like if I could have ownership of that, then you know, we do have platforms like social media. If I drop a song tomorrow, I can just drop it. And it's all, you know, co-produced or, sorry, produced and created and written by Jasmine. Not, okay, now I have to pull this person to the side and say, hey, remember we did this. How much do you want off this? Are you comfortable with me releasing this? Is this okay? It, you know, it's a lot of, like, you have to consider everyone on the team. Mm-hmm. So that's my next step is to produce my own project which will be pretty cool is that something that's going to happen in the like near future oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah once i get the materials once i get the actual equipment down um that's what i'm working on investing in now is just being able to kind of have my own studio um and have all of that set in in place so that i can crank out materials often as possible because i am Mm -hmm. at the end of the day i'm a creator i don't feel like i am initially a businesswoman i feel like i'm a creator you know, initially. And so the more that I can get my hands on this creative process without having to, to ask other people for permission, um, I feel like the easier it will be for me to just create at a continual rate where it's like, it, it's just infinite what I could create. Man, that just sounds like the dream right there. <laughs> Seriously, just be really? Yeah. Oh, just do you know, do you know the name? <laughs> do you have a name for your up-and-coming project? And if so... Will you tell us what it is, or is it secret? I actually don't have a name yet because of the you fact have said that it's secret. It's secret. <laughs> well, I guess I guess it, you know, considering the fact that I am working on new material, I guess it is kind of secret because I'm always kind of bouncing different ideas 
like I guess within myself, I'm thinking to myself, I can go this angle or I can go this direction, depending on what it is that I want to focus on. Um, I do think that I'll come from a more conscious perspective in terms of what I want to create. Um, I do feel like a lot of our music now is dumbed down. So I want to kind of bring forth a little bit more of a a conscious uh, perspective, you know, but also make it relatable. Um, so that's something that I want to work on. But like I said, with my own creative control and being able to produce my own music from a musical standpoint, which is why I took up um, uh, guitar lessons, because I don't want to just have the ability to create music uh, vocally. I want to also be able to produce and co-produce my own materials, be able to create my own chords. You know, I want to be seen as a musician and an artist and a vocalist, not just someone who can sing. So... With that being said, I don't know, with my ability to create, to play an instrument, I don't know how far that's going to take me. It's kind of one of those things where, like, you know where you could go, but you don't know how far you could go. Mm-hmm. So, with that being said, I don't have the name that I could give you right now. It's a secret because it could always evolve into something different. There you go. Cut that stuff off from before. Well done, <laughs> Well done, Jess. Uh, could always evolve, you know? Always evolve. Yeah. So... Well, I, I just want to say, because, I mean, when we did the Swank PR, it felt like we talked to a lot of artists who felt like they were creatively struggling, like, in a box or whatever, especially mm-hmm. those that, that had signed. I feel like, I mean, with you having the business experience, you, you're right. in the driver's seat now, as opposed to letting somebody else sort of do right. it for you and be like, I just want to be a creator. Like, I don't want to deal with that sort of stuff. But yeah. in having that mindset, you right. end up being subject to whoever you put in charge. Exactly, exactly. As to you being. So I just think that's so interesting that, I mean, you know, looking at, because I was going to ask, like, what do you see as success in your uh, in your line of field? But yeah. But it sounds like you're on that direction already. Yeah, yeah. I think success for me is the ability to create. I mean, yeah. the thing is, yeah. is a lot of us, uh, we're sub- subjected, especially artists, we're subjected to all these ins and outs and the red tape because that's just the way that the game has been played for so long. Mm. But I feel like most artists want to just come in, do their thing, and leave. I don't I don't really know a lot of artists that enjoy the business aspect of it. But at the same time, we can't just act like it isn't there. You know, so my I think success for me is, you know, in terms of, like, financial success, I mean, you can get that. You can get that in a lot of ways. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of ways to become financially successful. But in terms of being a creator and being able to produce material at the rate that you would like to, you have to gain ownership of your project. That's the only way that I feel true success will come because otherwise you'll have you'll always have someone, like you said, kind of interfering with your process. And it could be totally different than the producer that's over here. And don't get me wrong, I, I appreciate the producers I've worked with, but they also have their own projects. You know, so it's like they can't fully invest in what we have going on because they're also trying to you know, maintain their level of success. So, ownership. Ownership. There's an interview with Chance the Rapper. It's Mm -hmm. not necessarily an interview. I think he's just sitting there, and he's in front of an audience, like, taking questions. And he's sitting there, and he's trying to explain uh, the rights, the music business with the the labels and all. And he explains, you know, what the demo (coughs) is, the master. Mm -hmm. And he explains all these things. And I could, I could understand it. And he's like, He's like, yeah, that makes sense, right? And everyone's just like, what? He's like, yeah, no, that shit doesn't make any sense. At all. <laughs> right, right, right. He pretty right. much was explaining why he's not signing to a label because yeah. he could make something, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, he doesn't have full ownership, ownership. of it. And, and all the hard work he puts in, yeah. he won't reap the true finances that he exactly. deserves as an artist. Exactly. Is that what you're trying to do, Jasmine? Would you rather be independent for the longevity of your career or... If you get the right deal where someone says, sign here, sign here, sign here, right. but this is what we take, this is what you get. Uh, you know, and I will piggyback off the conversation we just had earlier, too, but I've had a lot of dreams, and I've, I, I'm, I'm an artist, you know, we're very, very intuitive, we're very into the into that world. Um, I've had a lot of dreams where I've, I'm sitting down at a table, and I'm looking over these documents, and I'm signing based on, you know, the projects that I do and the amount of songs that I put out. Um, and these are the agreements that that I that I have in front of me, and it's kind of like I'm a, almost like I'm an independent contractor, but I'm also still tied to this agreement that I have to basically manufacture a certain amount of music or a certain amount of songs in order to appease the 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 label or whatever I'm working with. And I think that I kind of want a bit of both. I think that that's what my dreams are alluding to. That I want, I do want to have that exposure to maybe a major or an independent label that has a really yeah. good, you know, track record, yeah. where they have the backing, they have, you know, the marketing available to them, they have the financial resources. But I'm working alongside with them as a partnership, mm-hmm. not necessarily that I'm under them in terms of 
like almost like I don't want to say bound, but I have a, I have a little bit of freedom and flexibility yeah. um, because I don't I do think it's naive to just think I, oh yeah I'm not gonna do I don't need a label I don't need anybody I just think that taking that route is also like it does take eighty times longer to get there. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we, we, hear, we hear that too. People who yeah. are resistant to labels. So <clears throat> yeah, interesting. Very very mix of like aspirational but very practical. Yeah, That's you like, have to kind of mix both in. Yeah. I mean, it's great to be it's great to have that whole like oh I'm gonna stand over here on my own. However, a lot of these labels and a lot of these corporations they're machines i mean they have they have what it takes to make people successful and the thing is is there's there are ways that you can do it to where you can work alongside or you can work completely under or you can just be totally independent of them and you can do everything on your own but trust me i've tried it you can you can do everything on your own but it it is a lot more difficult without a backing it's just a lot more difficult in terms of you know having a tour manager, having just the finances, says because what it takes to produce a project, yeah, you can get songs that are good, you can get songs that are great, but then you need the marketing available, you need the PR, you need the representation, and as a as a person who manages themselves, it you're like a one man bandstand, and it takes a lot of time out of the creative process when you have to go in and then act as your marketer, you have to go in and act as your PR agent, you have to go in and act as your booking agent, you have to go in and act. I mean, it's a lot of you know these big names that you see on TV, they have. 20, 30, 50 people behind them, this team, and there's a reason for it. Mm. So you don't, I don't, I've tried it. I don't want to spread myself too thin with all the the business aspect of it where I have to take away from the creative process as well. Yeah. So it makes it both, I think, was the answer to the question. <laughs> In your career, uh, say from 15 till now, what event or series of events have brought you the most joy? Mm-hmm. But then also, what single event or series of events have brought you the most frustration <laughs> okay take a sharp right turn no but. you know that's a good question yeah. though i will i will have to admit that that's a good question and i'm pretty i'm very um i'm very authentic in my answers so i'll say that the thing that's brought me the most joy is being able to collaborate with a lot of different um creators as well um, the things that's, the thing that's brought me a lot of joy is being able to have the ability to get on stage with you know I, I, I told him before I got on stage with recording artist Kim um, he's a huge R&B artist and I was able to sing background for him at an early age um, I was able to do that with a group um, of musicians that I collaborated with and being able to have exposure with my my songs being played in Memphis on the radio I think that I think the most uh, rewarding experience for me was when I heard my song on the radio. I I understand why people go crazy because it's just because it's almost it's almost surreal. It's like I I sat in the studio. I I remember writing the song more than friends that I mentioned to you. I remember writing the song and I was just sitting down in my bed and I'm like thinking about you know I was young. I didn't know anything about life. I'm like, how can I just make this cool song you know and make it come together and 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 create a cool melody and and make it come together in a way that just just lays nicely and um. I went to my old friend Tony Yates' house. We put, we laid down the track and everything. And in my head, I was thinking, okay, this is just going to be a song that I can kind of like listen to on my own. And if I go to work, I can hear it in my play it in my little. What do we used to have back then? I, Walkman. Walk yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, back you know, technology is just just going crazy now. But I, I really, I was like, I'm just going to listen to it on my own. And I I ended up meeting up with people who happened to somehow open the door for me to have it played. Um, on 92.7 in Holly Springs. And I was in the car with one of my friends, and, and he called, my, the, the DJ called me and said, your song's about to play right now. And I was like, huh? <laughs> and it was like kind of fuzzy the way it was sounding. It was going in and out because I was in Memphis listening to a Holly <laughs> Springs station. <laughs> right. And I just sat there, and I was like, ah! You know, like, you just go crazy because you're just like, I this is my dream to have my song on the radio. And I, I think that was one of the most rewarding things because I was like listening to myself. And I remember telling my mom, like my mom, I was like, mom, you know, go, you're at work, go listen to the song. On the radio. She was just, ah! you know, yeah. she went crazy. And then I had another song on the radio with the higher level music group that I work with. Um, the production team with the rappers and the songwriters that I work with. We had a song um, called up and go in Memphis. That was spinning on, I think 97.1. For a while, so I heard it myself again. Then I heard a song called Wishlist, which was produced, co-written by Tony Yates, co-written by myself. Um, Wishlist was spinning for a couple of months in 97.1. And I would just I would just drive home after work, 
working at Red Lobster. I'm not even gonna lie to y'all. Um, and I would hear my song, and I was like, this is amazing. Like, I wasn't rich, I wasn't, you know, famous worldwide or anything, but I mean, people in Memphis knew who we were, so that was one of the coolest experiences because it was like everything that you've done, this whole creative process is now, you know, being showcased on a level where you actually hear, you know, you never really think that it's going to get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, you know, one thing that's been, I mean, like always had the innate, you know, interest in music, but just hearing it, the feedback and people actually loving the music and, you know, through social media, the feedback right. from that was pretty awesome. Very rewarding. Um, challenge. Um it's always been a challenge. The studio is easy for me. I can go into the studio. We can knock out a song, you know, because I feel like you always have room to mess up in the studio. You know, you always have room to make mistakes. And all artists make mistakes. Let's, people want to make it seem like artists are perfect, and they're not. You know? Or you might put the whole thing out there. You never know. Um, but, you know, artists are... Artists like to, you know, fail and then and then pick themselves back up again. Yeah. So I feel like in the studio, it's really easy to go through that because you're not really exposed to everyone when you go through that process. Live is a whole different ballgame. So when I did my show in California recently, um, it was in Paris, California, about like a month and a half ago, I think it was. Um, I was part of a music show, a music festival, and, you know, I'm performing out, outdoors, and this is the first time I did it outside, ever did a performance outside, and the dynamics of singing outside are totally different than indoors, and so it's frustrating because you think you know everything going in on a live set or in a live performance, and there's always something that comes through that's a curveball. First of all, you have nerves to deal with, you know, because, let's be honest, a lot of artists get nervous, like, I and people, I don't know why people assume that we don't, but being in front of people on stage is it's kind of nerve-wracking at times so you try to like already temper the nerves and say okay you're good you got this and then something happens with the sound and you're just like okay god dang it you know we, we, we've been there yeah you know it's we just know. we just haven't had to go live yeah, yeah. and going live you yeah. know you're pretty much vulnerable so it's funny because it's always a learning process but you and you can't beat yourself up too much but it is like you wish you had known that one thing before you went out on this next set like acoustic wise or like what to ask for in terms of more reverb when you're out out, out there and there's not a lot of acoustics to kind of hit mm-hmm. you know against the walls and so you can hear your vocals back you don't hear that. So it's just one of those things where you, it's a learning curve. You learn it as you go, but you have to rough it. Like, you can't, it's not a class you can take on performing live and then assume that you've got it all down. You just got to perform live and then, and then just learn as you go and be willing to, like, pick up the pieces as you go. So that's the most frustrating because you want to be perfect, but it just doesn't work that way. Was there ever a time on tour where you were just like, oh, my God, like, everything is, sing- is like, there can't be anything else that goes wrong in this program. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There was, it wasn't even on tour. It was a talent show I did when I was oh, in God. high school. And I, the fir- I remember I was, rec- I was, you know, rehearsing with the girl group that I was with. And I had at rehearsals. I had it down. I was like, yeah, hitting all the high <laughs> notes. And I was ready. I was oh, so in the zone. I love it when she does that. Yeah, it's I thought so that was song. <laughs> Singing is like talking to me. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, I was just like, I got this, I got this. And then I get on stage and the mic is off. And I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. And it was like five or 600 people in the crowd. Oh, wow. <laughs> so the mic's off and then the mic turns on. And of course, it startles me as a singer. You just want everything to go smoothly. But when the mic turns on, you're just like, you're already, I'm at the high note. So I'm like, <sighs> you know, <laughs> you know, instinctively, you just kind of like curl back up, and that's the worst thing you can do as a singer. So then I had to follow that with a, with a solo act, um, you know, I, like at the end of the show, and I could not hit my high notes. It was just that terror, you know. I think I was pretty much traumatized, and you know, I, I that was probably the most like that was probably the moment where I said, "I'm not doing this anymore." Did you, <laughs> did you cry afterwards? I don't think I cried. I think I was just in shock. <laughs> I think I was just Beyond like, Beyond yeah, Beyond I was Beyond just Beyond like, we're going into no, I mean, full blown. Yeah, but now just, it makes for like a great story. Yeah, it does. You know, so you got to just embrace those. Yeah, and moments. the thing that's but in, cool, in the moment it sucks. Well, in sure. the moment it's oh, it's pretty traumatizing. But the thing that's yeah. cool is when you actually go on YouTube, you can actually see major artists who just completely flop on stage. Who you would think in your mind, like their vocals are perfect, they dance perfectly, but you can see them flop, and you're like. Everyone does it. Like, it's okay, even though they're falling on their butts or, you know, they can't hit the high notes. or I mean, but it's like, it's a normal thing. And once you do that, you can have a lot more um, patience with yourself. Mm. <laughs> so that's just been a learning curve. That's what's yeah. up. So tell us, Jasmine, I know you talked a little bit about Sade earlier, mm-hmm. but who were, 
who were some of your musical influences mm-hmm. growing up? Who are your musical influences now? Now? Yeah. Ooh. So there's a lot. There are a lot of people that have contributed to my uh, love for music. <laughs> I, it, it, it spans across the board. Um, Erica Badu is an absolute just genius to me, musically and the way that she thinks. And I think in terms of Neo Soul and her being like, I, I consider her the queen of Neo Soul at this point, and just because of the fact that she's produced so much material and she's on such a different level of thinking. Um, so she's definitely attributed to like my more Neo Soul um, sound whenever I do produce material. Um, Coldplay, uh, my twin brother introduced <laughs> me to, I know I can go out, bounce back and yeah, forth, you know. Coldplay, I feel like they're very musically inclined. I feel like they're very uh, experimental in their sound. They like to incorporate different people. They're not scared to, you know, kind of bring in a new sound to appease the the masses. But then they're also cool in terms of, you know, this was our old stuff and we kind of stick to that sound. Um, and I like the fact that they're from overseas because it does bring in that element of like, yeah, I didn't know that exactly. And they bring in that element of just something different. Um, but they still have that mass appeal, which is really really cool. Um, and then we go back to Lauren Hill. Okay, Lauren Hill, yes. <laughs> this is like Vance for yeah, Miseducation. Making, making, making girls cry. Oh, well, my gosh. The Miseducation <laughs> was like such an epic album. Yeah. You know, and it was one of those things she just dropped on you, just left. You're like, who are you? Why why did you do this? Where'd you go? But, you know, she has such a, when you talk about that rawness and that, like, tapped into that, uh, that element, that musical element, I feel like she embodies that, um, which is just something that I admire about her. Um, and then, you know, you can't take away from the greats like Aretha Franklin, you know, obviously who wasn't listening to Michael Jackson. Thank you. <laughs> we definitely you know? were Saturday night at the Christmas party. Yeah, you and know. We, we had to get it in. Yeah, sat, you know, Michael Jackson is a is a huge deal. Um, and uh, no doubt, you know, Gwen Stefani, like their earlier stuff was was awesome. Um, I feel like they did come with like that ska, that reggae, like that Rasta kind of pop rock sound, which yeah. was very, very different. Um, and it, dif- it and I feel like it, like I said, they were able to break outside of this mold, but then Gwen Stefani can go in and do a hip hop rap, you know, kind of R&B record with another group of artists because she has that crossover appeal. Gotcha. Um, you know, and then you have like, you have like SWV, TLC, you know, the girl groups, the great girl groups that everyone used to rock out to. So it's just, I kind of go all over the place um, in terms of my influences and the way I see music. You forgot a Dominic Gantu. <laughs> Shout out to Dom. Shout out to wa- Dom. I hope you're watching this from overseas. Dom man. is an awesome, yeah, <laughs> I'm working so with Dom right now. <laughs> You'd be like, Jasmine didn't say me? I'm working oh, with Dom. Dom is a great, he's a great producer. He's a great lyricist. Um, he's great at arranging music. So I love working with him, and I, I wanted to definitely make a mention to him that we're, we're in a continual process of working together, regardless of my own ventures, you know, on my own with my with my laptop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have to say, like a drum, awesome song. Thank I you. I feel like that, that is going to be one of my new favorite running songs. Awesome. Awesome. And the funny thing about Like a Drum is we recorded that. So uh, Primo, we were in the studio in Memphis, Tennessee. Primo now lives in Las Vegas. Um, like I said, he signed at Tin Man Productions. And he has, like I said, that top 40 kind of, he just wants everything to be a hit type of sound. Um, and we were, we were in the studio, his personal studio. And he, he played the track for me. And in my head, I'm just like, I got, like 30 minutes later, I'm like, I got this song. Like, I wrote it out. I was like, this, I see so the whole framework. You, just like inspiration. Yeah. Just hit you like, Oh yeah, hit me! It hit me! Yeah, yeah, very poetic. Yeah, very. I just wanted it to be. Honestly, I don't know where it came from. I mean, it came from somewhere, but it was just like so easy to lay it down and to, you know, we basically recorded the song that night. We did the session. You know, he contributed to the lyrics as well. Like, if there's if there's a producer that co-wrote, I also want everyone to know that the person co-wrote because I don't want to just make take all the credit. But we definitely was a collaborative effort, you know. And he was he's also good at vocal arranging and helping kind of bring out the sound. Um, so yeah, we, I wrote it in like 30 minutes with him and then we laid down the vocals in like an hour and then that was it. And that was probably one of the easiest songs, but one of the, the most kind of like, I feel like one of the most successful projects I've done just because it didn't take a lot of thought process to get it down. It was just like, mm-hmm. it came from somewhere bigger than that and yeah. you just, you know, create from there. So that's one of my favorite songs too. Like I love like a drum and Neil, he has a different favorite, but that's okay. More Than Friends is the best <laughs> And that was the song that got on the radio, right? It was, yeah. See? 
I mean, no, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, seriously. I was telling you that it was my favorite when I met you downtown before I even knew that it was on the radio. Yeah. Seriously, I just have an, an ear for talent. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's why we're working together, right, gentlemen? You should be a scout. You should go on scout talent. Actually, are you still going to let me uh, write a song for you? <laughs> Seriously, so I can just tell people that I'm a songwriter. I'll, yes. I was going to ask you. So let's say you write a whole song, uh-huh. right? You write everything, and then someone's like, "Oh, maybe you should try. It. Maybe you should just add this or do." And they have like one, like a quarter of a chorus, or like just like one line. Uh-huh. You give them writing credit. Absolutely. To, okay. Absolutely, because I feel like that one line could change the entire dynamic of the song. Um, the After Party, and all these songs are on SoundCloud, as he discussed, but The After Party was one song where I had everything written out, but I feel like there was an element that was missing. Um, and then we had someone that ha- came in and helped with the vocal arrangement, and he added, like, one little, like, just one little extra line to it, and I was like, that's it. That's exactly what I need. So, of course, I would always attribute credit because it's like, you may, that one line can literally change your entire song, and then you can actually reproduce an entire track around that one line, which could change the entire dynamic of that song so yes what are some unspoken rules like in your industry like when people are like say collaborating like you say that you always will give them Uh credit obviously probably some people aren't going to be like that right but even if someone let's say someone contributes one line that they they think is awesome and then the other person's like well you only contributed one line i'm not giving you right like kind of talk to us about some of the friction that might occur or just kind of other angles that people take oh yeah yeah how do you avoid the drake and quincy miller situation (laughs) right you know that's a good that's a great question and i always always think that it depends on who you are as an artist and and who you are going into the the actual creative process there are some people that want credit for everything so it doesn't really matter what you discuss i could have written five lines i could have written half the song there's some people that don't want you to take credit for anything and there's people like myself who i say you know what I don't want to have any bad karma on myself. I don't want any, you know, I'm always going to be creating. What's the point of me hogging this this shine for just this one song when I could create a thousand more songs, you know? So I think it's more of a, if someone's contributing to your success, it's always important to, to, to always put that energy out because it's going to come full circle. I can't speak for everyone else, though, because I feel like a lot of people, especially um, a lot of people who haven't been through a lot in terms of like their life experiences Mm -hmm. they may not understand the importance of make this a team effort they may just want all the attention because it's something that they need to feel better about themselves i don't know to feel whole i don't know but i'm not i'm not at that point so and and i noticed that i attract a lot of people who are like that the way i am like they want to yeah you you wrote that one line shout out to jasmine like she did an awesome job and i'm actually attracting people on that same level and if you if you decide to be the hog or the person that can't give out the the kudos, and you're going to attract a lot of people that are also the on that right. same on the same vibration. So. Yeah, it's like global conscious mindset. Yeah, I feel like more people should just live overseas. Yeah, exactly. Might, might, you know, you know when you record overseas, it's like yeah, he was in there. He he only said one word, and he's a part of the song. Like yeah. it's a group effort, you know. So I do think that in America we have a, we have a lot of, to learn about that because I don't think. I think sometimes we're a little egocentric, but, you know. We're very selfish. Selfish. <laughs> I think that's what she's trying to say. Well, because I see when I when I listen to an album that I really like or a uh-huh. song, I see online, you know, I'll see an album, and the album's got, like, one song will have, like, five different writers. Oh, yeah. The whole album will have, like, 20 or 30 writers. I'm yeah. just like, and from a fan perspective, not understanding the way things work, right. I'm like, this is so whack. I think it's so much cooler when you just see writer, the artist, and that's exactly, it. exactly. But obviously, exactly, you just, I just you gotta, got you gotta hit with some knowledge. Your, your I got hit with some knowledge, right? But now. there's so like many the, parts of the creative it's process out yeah. from the outside looking in than yeah. the inside looking out. That's cool. And it's uh, you know, you could have <laughs> one version of the song that's rewritten six times. So the creative process can become so convoluted because you have all of these people coming from different angles and different perspectives. You might have a song where you were a woman writing in the perspective of a woman, right. and then a guy comes in and writes from the perspective mm-hmm. of a man. So, you know, it, it, the thing is, is that, and then you have people that create the chords, that create the melody, they arrange the music. Like there's so many different parts, and there's so many people that can come in and say, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna include this. Uh, we're gonna include the bass." And it changes your entire song. Like, oh my goodness, this brought a whole other element out. So that's why you might see 20 people on one song or one album. Because you want, 
I, and I, I can see this for bigger albums, bigger projects. They want as many different variations of the, the song and of the music that they can possibly create because that could be the hit, you know? Yeah. Sure, when Adele gets in the studio, it's not just Adele. It's probably Adele and her entire massive team. And they say, well, you over there, we wanted, we wanted you to contribute your idea because this could be the thing that takes hello to the next level. Right. So you always want to <laughs> continuously have someone else. And the thing about being an artist is, and a lot of people want to go Hollywood and think that they can't, they don't need a second opinion, which I think is always a mistake because you may have someone that is just more versed in this particular area and can say, <laughs> okay, Jasmine, yeah, your vocals were on point. However... I think that if you incorporate this, this would, and you know, that constructive criticism could be the one thing that puts you on the next level and then it makes you grow as an artist. But some people don't want to go there because they think they've got all the answers. And I, I don't think that music is, is designed that way. Right. I think it's a continuous process of, like I said, an evolutionary thing. So I've learned a lot over the span of years. So I know that I have tons more to learn. I'm not, I'm not saying that because I've written all these songs and I've been in the studio all this time and I've done live shows that. I have it all down. I feel like I'm going to learn tons more in the next 10 or 20 years. And I want to be able to always have the, the, the student mindset versus the, I got this, I'm Hollywood, don't talk to me. Yeah. You know, because You'll that won't... always go I won't, farther exactly. with that mindset. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so, uh, before we close out, Chasman, would you mm-hmm. like to give us a, a snippet of your vocal ability? <laughs> <laughs> Give us, give us some vocals, Jasmine. Uh, sure. Way to just put her on the spot. I know, I know. She, it's she, okay. This is, this is great. Side, Side note, she, you can hear her vocals on SoundCloud and my music. <laughs> <laughs> no, By the way, yeah, you can check out my SoundCloud. Uh, SoundCloud, I think it's forward slash Jasmine Akia. I'll send, all, I'll send all the links. You know, you'll have access to all that good stuff. Because um, I'm probably You can just wrong. do, check out this link right yeah, here. Yeah, right. Like we'll, we'll have my it in there. My vocals are right yeah, here, Neil. Come on, give them what they want, Jasmine. Come on. All right, so I'm gonna sing a song that is like one of my favorites by In Vogue. Okay. They're a legit, legit girl group. So <clears throat> now I've been talking to you now. <clears throat> Clear my vocals. Look what you did, Neil. You make me all nervous and all. <laughs> I always told myself that we should be. More than just friends. I often think that if we move too soon, it will all end. I live in misery when you're not around. And I won't be satisfied till we're taken over. There'll be some love making, heartbreaking, soul shaking. Love, love making, heartbreaking. So shaken, what's it gonna be? Cause I can't pretend, no. Don't you wanna be more than friends? Hold me tight and don't let go. Don't let go. You have the right to lose control. Don't let go. What I tell you, what I tell you. Tell you. Well done, Jasmine. Beautiful voice. Impressive. Well done. Sitting down is kind of so hard. <laughs> oh that was good. That was yeah. good. Keep it up, man. Keep working. I felt so warm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's probably you know, the, yeah. the, happy, the happiest audio recording I think that we've ever had in the past awesome. two years of doing this. Yeah. That was great. Sitting down creates a little bit of a challenge, but that's yeah. fine. Oh. Yeah. Is it e- it's easier to stand up. Oh, yeah. It's always easier to like stand up, but it is what it is. You guys, let me tell you something. One time, she threw a party, right? And we went out afterward to sing karaoke. And she sang Lauren Hill, Killing Me Softly. And this girl in the crowd started crying. Oh, wow. <laughs> this girl, and I tell this story all the time. This girl started, she was like wiping her. I took, oh my God. Like, you made that girl reevaluate her life. You make me want to sing some Killing Me Softly right now. <laughs> Jasmine, hey, if you would I like to, Jasmine, we've got more than enough. I mean, we can always Please. edit stuff, right? Why not? Absolutely. Why not? All right, all right. All right. Your floor right now. All right, we'll sing some Killing Me Softly. And, Thank you know, you. we'll just do snippets. Is that cool? That's fine. more than okay, Jasmine. Go for okay. it. <laughs> Strumming my pain with his finger, singing my life with his words, killing me softly with his song, killing me softly with his song, telling my whole life with his words, killing me softly. 
Take notes, take yeah. notes, y'all. I was wishing I had a lighter. <laughs> I was listening to your voice. I'm just looking over it. <laughs> I was looking at, <laughs> I was looking at Neil. I'm, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about when, I, when I edit this together, I'm just going to do the fade of like, Neil's, Neil's like, oh, adorable cool. face. I'm just chilling. Just, the zoom in on Neil's. Just, mm. Neil was feeling that was, it. That was mesmerizing. That was Thank you. You're trying to blast me oh, right now. Like, y'all weren't blushing either, white boys. I was sitting here like this. Thank you. It's all, you know, acapella, sitting down. It's all great. You know, that was great, Jasmine. Keep Thank you very much. You're for welcome. That. Singing. Thank you. Uh, it's what I'm gonna sleep to. a little better tonight. So as we wrap things up, is there anything that you want to add that we didn't discuss, or do you have any shout-outs or just anything on your mm. mind that you want to mention before we come to a close? Good question. Good question. Um. I definitely want to shout out to all the artists that I have run into, um, all the collaborations that I've done. I've done music videos, you guys. I've done, you know, I've done shows out of the out of the state. I won't say out of the country. I'm sorry, but out of the state. Um, I've I've been writing and doing this thing for a long time. I think what I would say for anybody who, as a word of advice, for anybody who's interested in pursuing music or acting or you know creating their own channel, you know is that if you're doing it for the money, just just get out. <laughs> like, if you're doing it just to gain a profit, just get out. But if you're doing it for the love and because it's something that you really love to do and it's something that, like, when you were a kid, you just saw yourself, like, on the stage, you saw yourself, you know, just, just pursuing this thing that you felt like it was beyond you, just keep going for it and don't listen to the haters. Haters are going to come. Haters are going to hate on this video. Haters are going to hate on the next song that I do. Haters are going to hate on the fact that you didn't do perfectly in a performance. They're going to come, but you're going to always find yourself with that innate drive as long as it's authentic and as long as it comes from you to continue to pursue your passion. And me and Neil have talked about this a lot, is that your passion, there are a lot of people that sit at the office and they just, they're clicking away, but they're like sitting there and they're, they feel dead. And it's because of the fact that they're not pursuing what was given to them by a higher force to pursue in this lifetime. And I would say music for me has always been like an expression that I've never really been able to put into words. I can't really define it. I can't say that it comes from just me. I think it comes from something bigger. And if you can listen to that that voice or just follow that 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 passion and that kind of create a roadmap for yourself, eventually you will become successful. And that success does not have to be defined <laughs> by you know, I'm I'm signed to a major label or, you know, I'm making a qu- this many million dollars a year. Success is defined by you pursuing your passions without fail. Just keep going and you're going to have times where you mess up. Just get back up. You're going to have times where you feel like this is some crap and you need to stop and you're embarrassing yourself. Just get back up and get better and better and better. And at the end of the day, when you're looking back at yourself at 90 years old, you can say, at least I did it. I went for it. So... That's all I got. Man, we can do like another episode just based on the last <laughs> 30 seconds of what you just said right Sorry, now. I wasn't trying to go too deep, but no, I mean, good. that was good. That, that was, was all good. I got, you know? You heard it first. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen from Jasmine Nakia, check out her SoundCloud, musicpage.com. Just yes. Google her name, you'll find her. Jasmine, thank you very much for spending thank time you. with us today. Of course. Thank you thank for all you. for listening and asking questions. Thank you.